If you have a connection to languages, this is the podcast for you. Whether you're a language learner, a language teacher, a language researcher, or anyone who's interested in languages. I'm Dr. Marie-Josée Bisson. And I'm Dr. Caitlin Zavaleta. We are the language scientists, and this is our podcast. Throughout this series, we hope to translate the science behind language learning into informative and practical advice. So sit back and enjoy. So we're both um, lecturers in psychology at De Montfort University, and we both do language learning research. We do, but this is something that we're really just interested in, as we are language learners ourselves. That's right. Um, I mean, I'm a native speaker of French, but I acquired English gradually over the years to hopefully become bilingual. But I also enjoyed learning German and Spanish. And I'm a native English speaker who studied French over several years and kind of still use it and studied Spanish and other languages. So <laughs> so we're both language geeks. So you are a native French speaker. Can you tell us a little bit about your language background? Yes. So, um, well, I'm from a very monolingual French-speaking family. I come from Canada originally, but the French-speaking part of Canada, so the province of Quebec. And so, yeah, everything in my life happened in French up to a certain age. But also because of where we are in Quebec, we are surrounded by English speakers and we get all the English TV channels, English music. So I gradually learned lots of English words. My dad also, when we were growing up, annoyingly always wanted to watch films in the original soundtrack. So mm -hmm. he played them in English and we hated it as, as children, but actually it did us the world of good. <laughs> um, so we learned lots of English that way. Um, but also in uh, primary and secondary schools in Quebec, we learn English as a second language. So I had a little bit of kind of intentional learning there in the classroom as well. Um, and so gradually I became bilingual. Um, I also, uh, when I got to college, I got to choose whether I wanted to go to an English or a French speaking college. And I chose an English speaking college. So then again, you know, there was an explosion of English learning there. All my classes were in English. I lived with English speakers. Um, yeah. So that's my history of learning English. But also uh, I picked up German and Spanish throughout my uh, development, I suppose. <laughs> uh, German, I went into, to do a student exchange with uh, Germany. So I went to live with a family for three months in Germany. So I learned a lot of German that way. Um, and in college, I studied German and Spanish um, as my degree. So then how did you get into language learning research? Well, that came a lot later. So after I did my college degree, I eventually, not, not at first, but eventually decided to do an undergraduate degree in psychology. So, you know, learning more about generally all the, the, the different psychological theories and stuff like that. Um, and then after that, I decided to move to the UK. I met my husband and then he was British. So we decided to move to the UK. And when we arrived here, I needed to find a job, of course, and I didn't know what to do. But I thought, oh, I'm a native French speaker. So maybe I could teach people French. And I looked it up and they had a great program at the time, uh, the graduate teacher training program. So you literally worked in a school straight away, um, kind of a, like an assistant teacher. And then gradually you started picking up classes and you started teaching. And then you attended university once a week. So then I became a French teacher and I worked and I did that for about five years. So te teaching French to primary school, children, secondary school and A-level. 
And after that, I wanted to do a little bit more. I enjoyed it, but I wanted to do a bit more. And I, and I thought, well, why not put psychology with the language learning? So they came together nicely. And so I decided to go back and do a PhD. And the, the overall theme of my PhD was to facilitate language learning. So facilitating language learning, what does that mean? So I wanted, well, I just wanted to make it easier for people to learn languages, basically. Um, and the main, the main thing that I was interested in was incidental learning. And um, well, this is the topic of today, isn't it? Ta-da! <laughs> you got there. So today you're, you're telling us a bit more about incidental language learning. So what is incidental language learning then? So incidental learning is, well, if I contrast it with explicit learning, that might help people understand. So explicit learning would be more like the language learning classroom situation where the aim is very much to focus on the learning aspect, learning the words, learning the grammar rules, um, maybe rote memorization. You know, you, you have a list of vocabulary with the word in French, the word in English, and you try to remember the two together. So you really much focus on the learning. So this is the conjugation tables in Latin, memorizing all of those. Absolutely. So a lot of memorizing. Um, so that's explicit learning. Well, sometimes people call it intentional learning as well. So they mean the same thing. But on the other hand, incidental learning is much more informal. So there the aim is not on learning. So you might be playing a game, you might be doing a word search, you might be watching a film in a foreign language, you might be listening to a song. Um, but because you are exposed to language, you can start picking up some new words um, or some new grammar or some syntax. Or So does it still count as incidental language learning if you are saying, well, I'm going to watch my favorite show in French to learn the language? Yes, I think so. Because I mean, even if you made that decision because you thought that might help you with learning the language, right. as you're watching the film, you're not going to necessarily focus on memorizing the words you're going to be Each focusing word, yeah. on enjoying uh, the series or the show and mm -hmm. you know what's happening in, in the image what's happening with the relationship to characters you know you get very much engrossed into the actual film but again because you're just um being exposed to that language you can soak up some new words mm -hmm. and then as we so obviously we think about like taking a class in another language that's that intentional language learning exposure but uh, in our everyday lives, do we have any other experience with learning other languages through just kind of being exposed to it? Um, well, there's lots of opportunities outside of the classroom, I think. Um, like we said, with, with the films and the series, I mean, that's that's an obvious one, isn't it? Because that's really enjoyable and easy to do nowadays. So Netflix, mm -hmm. you can change the language quite easily, or you can have the subtitles on or off. You can even play with these, uh, the language of the subtitles as well. So I would say, you know, if you're a complete beginner in the language, you probably want to have your native language and the subtitles so you can understand what's happening. But as you become more fluent, you could switch to the same language as the soundtrack so that you can then extract some of the words more easily when they're being spoken. You can follow with the soundtrack, uh, the soundtrack with the subtitles to map, to map it together, basically. Right. Almost like a sing-along. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. You could, why not do karaoke, karaoke. in another language? That's an, ex an excellent <laughs> example. And because you're following along with the words on screen and you're saying them, you know, you, you will definitely start picking things up. Uh, you might want to watch um, song cl clip videos. Um, so YouTube's a good one, a good place for that. Uh, so you might watch a, um, 
a video clip of a song uh, in French, and then you can have the subtitles on, the French subtitles, for example, so you can follow what's being said. Songs are really good as well because they're quite repetitive. The words come back um, and it's quite catchy. So they, it might really stick in your head. So that's yeah. another good example. Hopefully the right words. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, if you have the chance to travel, obviously that's a really good one. You know, immersing yourself in not just the language, but the culture as well. Um, it's really, really good. Um, you'll be bombarded then with words everywhere you look, you know, just road signs. And, you know, if you're walking around a museum, you might see some of the words there in the description. So there's lots of opportunities for incidental learning outside of the classroom, but also inside the classroom. I think teachers should be um, willing to experiment with different activities, you know, sometimes just giving their students a game in 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 that language so that they're not focusing on learning words per se they're just enjoying playing the game but again because they're using the words they'll just increase their knowledge so it sounds to me that with incidental language learning it's kind of advantageous to folks who are trying to learn a new language but maybe they're not the best at just memorization they don't have to just rely on that yeah, I think that's a good point um, because, you know, sometimes I meet people and they ask me what I do for work. No, I'm a language learning researcher. And they're like, oh, language learning is so hard. I can't learn anything. Exactly. And I'm like, that's so not true. Everybody can learn a language because we all learned our native language. Because you did. Right? <laughs> so, and the way we learn our native language mostly is through incidental learning. So it's very informal. Um, you know, nobody gives you lists of vocabulary. Well, not at first anyways, mm -hmm. because you can't read and write. So you just, you listen to your parents speak, you try to extract words, you try to extract information for, from this kind of continuous speech stream that's happening around you. And eventually our brains are very good at picking out regularities, things that are repeating uh, patterns. So you will start extracting things. As a child, you do this, but as, as adults as well, you will, um, if you're exposed to enough language, you know, so children start to speak when they're about two. So, you know, that's two full years of exposure. Parents constantly talk to their children and sometimes in simplified language as well, which is helpful to, to, for the learner too. So we all go through this massive episode of incidental learning as children, because this is how we, we learn our native language. So everybody can do incidental learning. The bit that some people find difficult is the explicit learning, I would say. Um, so, you know, not everybody enjoys trying to memorize lists of vocabulary. So for those what? people, no, <laughs> no, because, well, it's not that enjoyable, is it? <laughs> Do you know, unless you can, you want to learn the word because then, you know, you're going to go to the restaurant or to the grocery store and you need to be it's able to purpose. communicate, you know, yeah. and then, and then you'll be really motivated to do it. Um, but so if, if, you know, if, if a language learning class is not really your thing, but you know, if you've, you've done French for five years at school and you took your GCSEs and you still think that, oh no, I'm not really good at French. Ah, but you have a base already. Yeah. So then what you want to do is just get exposed to the language and you'll just pick things up. Yeah. No, you're right though. Even if you have that gap in having spoken the language, then when you're dropped back into that environment, suddenly you're like, wait, I do have it. It's there. I can, you know, soak up more. Yeah, no, absolutely. So every, every, even though you think you might've forgotten something completely, you know, you haven't. It's yeah. still there somewhere. Um, you just need to reactivate it. So yeah, again, putting yourself into that environment or increasing your exposure to that language a little bit will just, you'll just kind of reactivate those words and 
you'll it'll be faster once once you relearn it compared to learning it for the first time anyway so it's not lost all it's not lost um, <laughs> it's encouraging keep with it yeah absolutely so how do you research this i mean you can't just give people a list and say okay so we're gonna study language learning but don't learn these words because we're gonna be sneaky about it <laughs> yeah no i know so i normally don't tell people straight away i tell them at the end of the study what mm -hmm. the study was really about but at the beginning i am a bit vague about it so i tell them normally that it's about language processing we just want to know how people process language it's not wrong no no that's it i'm not lying it's you know, that's kind of true. Um, and then I'll ask them to do a task where, um, well, again, I'm not being, I'm not asking them to learn anything, but the task I use is really simple. It's a letter search task. So I show them a letter, then the computer screen changes and they see a word. And all they have to do is tell me whether the letter they saw was in the word yes or no. So it's really, really simple. But at the same time as the written word is being presented, they also see a picture and they hear the foreign language word. Although that's kind of additional information that they don't need for the task that they're doing. But because they're being exposed to the picture, they can start learning what the meaning of the words is. Um, and so through kind of repeated exposure through the, the whole study, then eventually people pick up these, some of these words. It's, it's kind of the best task I could use for the lab situation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, best case scenario, it'd be great to investigate this in the wild. Um, but the Truman Show, I know, basically. It, it would be good, but I mean, I need it to be super controlled so that I can really, at the end of the study, I can conclude that the reason why they know these words is because I've exposed mm -hmm. them to these words during this incidental learning situation. Yeah. Right, right. But I like the idea of the multimodality. So the fact that there was information coming in visually with the with a written word the picture and also some audio information because i think you need that to reflect a little bit about what happens in real life you know you'll hear something you might see a written word there might be an object or something on the table that you, you know people are talking about so you know that's kind of how the mapping happens in the wild so i was trying to reflect yeah. that in the lab as much as i could right with constraining all the other factors absolutely yeah, yeah. So um, what is your personal favorite method of exposure or uh, incidental learning? Um, for me personally, if I What had, would you do today? Yeah, no, I know. I'd just travel to Spain to refresh my Spanish. <laughs> no so I'd, I'd, me a side, I'd do a side trip to Germany to refresh <laughs> some of that German that I have somewhere in my brain, but it's a bit rusty. Um, but of course, you know, that's a bit tricky. But I mean, nowadays, there's just so much media available. Um, so, you know, like you said, you could watch one of your series that you enjoy but mm -hmm. switch the language or the soundtrack to another language I, th I think with my children we do this with cartoons a lot so yeah, we watch we do too. you know some sometimes they ask me they ask me to watch tv and i'm like okay well let's watch it in french um so so we do we change the soundtrack to french and we just watch it in that language so with cartoons you don't get the problem with lip synchronicity so much mm -hmm. so you can easily change the soundtrack so maybe pick up a cartoon in another language yeah your favorite uh, movie, your favorite animated movie. Absolutely. So then are there three things that you would like to maybe tell us about that you would like us to walk away from this podcast episode with? Um, okay. So one thing would be, I think for language teachers to not shy away from using the idea of incidental learning mm -hmm. in the classroom, I think it's really good to introduce students to all the different ways of learning language and they would really enjoy 
probably a, more of a broader range of activities. Yes, you need the explicit grammar lessons and the the learning of vocabulary lists, but I think it'd be really good to um, increase their exposure through maybe yeah the idea of watching a cartoon in another language or uh, doing some activities with songs or playing word games where they can kind of relax into just enjoying the activity. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no um, pressure in learning anything. Just enjoy the activity, but they will pick up things. That's the idea with incidental learning. And then it gives them ideas of what to do outside of the classroom to further their learning. Because, That's true. Um, one of the things that I didn't mention is that, you know, you can't just learn another language by going to a language class. You're not going to get the level of fluency just by learning list of vocabulary. So we know from, from research that if you're trying to understand authentic material in another language, for example, reading a newspaper in another language, you need to know approximately 60,000 words. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to <laughs> learn a list of 60,000 words. No, you know, I don't think so. By rote memorization. So you might be able to learn two, three thousand words of the most frequent in the language. Mm-hmm. In a language class, they would do that. They would teach you the, mo- the most frequent words and a few more uh, rare words that you might need. Um, but then if you want to know more, you'll have to do some reading in that language. If you can, if you're fluent enough, there are some uh, simplified reading books as well. They're called graded readers. So mm-hmm. stories that have been simplified to only use, say, the the, the thousand most re- um, frequent words in that language so that beginner learners can can do that. So reading is a great way of increasing your exposure to, to that language and to picking up some new vocabulary. Um, well, we said films with subtitles today, mm-hmm. series, songs, traveling to that country, anything really that can give you a little bit of exposure to the language outside of the classroom. Um, second one. I guess for people to to take up these incidental learning activities and um, student exchanges are really good. Studying abroad are really good opportunities to really, really increase your language knowledge. So I would say to go for those. And lastly, what would be number three? I think I haven't got two two major ones, to be honest, on incidental learning. Just just do it, you know, just uh, grab all the opportunities that you have, uh, that you can to to increase your exposure to that language. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting through incidental language learning, because I think so many people think of language learning as something that you have to sit down and memorize and do the conjugation tables. I know I do. Um, And you do to a certain extent. I think that really helps. It's a really good starter in that language, but but it's not not enough. Yeah. It's not enough. It's not everything, but it's also all the other opportunities. I mean, like I said, most of my learning of English was not in the classroom. It was really outside of the classroom. So if you want to become fluent in another language, you really need the incidental exposure. Thanks for joining us today, Marie. It's been a pleasure to hear more about your research in incidental language learning. In our next podcast, we will be talking specifically eye tracking in language research with Professor Kathy Conklin. Now, as we're finishing this episode, I just want to remind you to take five minutes to go into our show notes and click on the link for our survey. The survey is going to tell us what you liked about this series and what you would like to hear about next. So thank you for listening and thank you to the British Academy for funding our podcast. I'm Dr. Caitlin Zavaleta. And I'm Dr. Marie-Josie Bisson. And you've been listening to the Language Scientist Podcast. 